0: Yeah. what's up everybody welcome to another episode of rebunked my name is scott coming to you live from the last american vagabond studios here in historic franklin tennessee and uh, i've got a fantastic episode for you tonight i'm very very excited about this one so just real quick though i just want to uh tell you how you can come support the show um if you're new to the show i want you to head over to rebunked.news rebunked.news is the website where we uh where this is basically the launching off point um Let's see. Yeah, sorry, guys. I literally just got off work. We're scrambled down to the studio and throwing this all together here. So rebunk.news. If you if it's your first time on the website, a little window will pop up. Uh, go ahead and sign up for the email list. That way you get notifications when I'm about to go live or have any upcoming announcements or events. Um, if you scroll down here, you'll see all the video platforms I'm on. Right now, we're streaming on Rockfin and Rumble. And then Matthew Raymer over at Content Safe helps me get these up to my other platforms, Bitshoot, Odyssey, and Infowars's Band Up Video. Um, also on all podcast players. So make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so that you can listen on the go. And then if you can leave me a five-star review that goes a long way for helping drive the, uh, drive the algorithm and all that good stuff. So also if you want to support the show financially, few get a few different ways to do it, um, head over to re uh, subscribe star, subscribe forward slash rebunked is the, uh, is the way to, you know, five bucks a month goes a long way to help support the show. And I drop periodic premium content on there. So uh, just a great way to just, you know, throw a tip in the jar. Five bucks a month it goes a long way to help support the show. Also, you can get a rebunked shirt over at rebunk.news forward slash shirts. This is brought to you by Big Frog T-shirts in Beaverton, Oregon. They're actually a liberty-minded t-shirt shop. They're listeners of the show. So by supporting them and getting a t-shirt, you actually support this show and everybody wins. Everybody wins. We got designs like compliance is violence. You can't depopulate an idea. We are many. They are few. Truth wins, several other designs. So go check it out. Truth uh rebunk. Rebunk.com forward slash or re, yeah, rebunk.news forward slash shirts. Also, uh Truth TRS. So TRS is a heavy metal detox spray, helps absorb and eliminate all the heavy metals that have accumulated in your body. We just live in a crazy toxic world. And you know, it's always recommended that you do, you know, heavy metal detox. And uh, you know, TRS has been a big friend of ours for a long time. I've personally used it off and on many times over the last several years, and just a huge, huge beneficial product. Um, so truthtrs.com to learn more about that. And then also. We're always liking to talk. We always like to talk about solutions around here. So one of the best solutions that we can offer is, you know, finding different strategies to gain autonomy in this crazy world. You know, anything we can do to extricate ourselves from the system, gain entrepreneurial skills, and all that stuff. Um, the best way to do it is with Richard Grove over at autonomy. Um, so if you go to the episode description below, you'll see a link to uh, their autonomy obstacle course. So click on that link and go through and see if autonomy works for you. And if so, then uh, you know you support the show by joining them through that link so all right guys without further ado i am so excited to bring our guest in tonight so he uh he was with us on truthzilla um probably we all agreed that it was the best interview we ever did one of my favorite people in the whole world who's out there just fighting for freedom relentlessly on behalf of all of us so without further ado here's dr henry ely
1: dr h welcome to the show all right what's up scott thanks for having me man really appreciate being here and i gotta tell you after we get done I definitely want to support the show. And I also want to talk with y'all about maybe having Energetic Health Institute be a, a sponsor for the show. Oh, we would, we, we might be able to put some together. This is how we got to do things, right? Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Let's do it. Let's absolutely talk after the show. So yes, thank you so much. So Dr. H, you, uh, you've you been doing a lot of work behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of the people listening to the show here have heard you on many different shows and heard, heard your message or heard you speak at many of these medical freedom events. Um you, you've got so much going on in, in, in preparing for this show. I didn't even realize that you have your own podcast now, and I apologize that I haven't been up to speed on that, <laughs> but uh, that's really cool. So everybody make sure, if after this interview you're wanting more, go check out uh, Energetic Health Radio, uh, Dr. Ely's podcast, where he's just, I'm sure, just dropping relentless truth bombs, and I'm personally going to go back and get caught up. So before we get too far into it, um, for people that may not be familiar with your work, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this fight, and then we're going to get into the nitty gritty stuff
1: sure well i think first and foremost i like to tell people i'm i'm nobody special i'm just somebody that believes very strongly in um you know faith family and country you know um and uh you know you get to this place where you see things going the wrong way and you know some of it you just kind of let it slide let it slide let it slide but i think we let it slide for too many decades um and it makes hard it makes it a lot harder to stand up so Um, You know, I I really want to put that message out there because, you know, to your audience, um, for anybody who is even thinking about it, don't ever put me on a pedestal. I'm doing the same exact thing you can do. All right. So um, I'm in it for the fight. I'm in it for the victory. I'm in it for our kids. Um, I uh, make sure I read regularly stories of children who are being injured um, and have been harmed by what's going on. I want to make sure it's very fresh in my mind. I just finished a wonderful interview with Ernest uh, Ramirez talking about his son, Junior, um, and what they went through. I, I have the utmost love and respect for that man, um, for what he's able to do in spite of all of the horror that he's been through. Um, so I, I think for all of us, it's just about understanding that you you have some unique talent that you can provide. For me, I had a background in data analyzation. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a doctor now. Um, I used to be a mechanical engineer. I mean, I have you know critical thinking skills that I can read and I can understand what's going on. And so on March 12, 2020, I started doing daily public service announcements because I knew that Agenda 21 was coming. We didn't know that they were going to push the go button, but they pushed it. And I said, this is the fight of our this is the fight of our generation, of our lives. And uh, I, I want to be in it. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm one of those crazy people. I actually enjoy fighting for what's right. You know what I mean? Um, And so uh, my initial goal was just to make sure I was keeping everybody very calm, giving them good advice on things that they could do to keep their immune systems healthy so they didn't have to fear. We were the first people to really I shouldn't say the first, but we were among the first people to really talk about vitamin D and expose that the CDC knew that Americans were severely deficient. Sixty five to ninety five percent of Americans were deficient in vitamin D, that the stage was set for this bioweapon to wipe out a specific Segment of the population, which it did, um, and uh, set, and then they were going to try to turn that into um, a scenario where they could fast track that mRNA platform um, genetic modification technology. Uh, so we we knew all that was coming. Um, we fought, we fought, we fought. We published peer reviewed papers along the way. We uh, and but we stumbled on something, Scott. That was amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We stumbled upon the what we feel is the foundation of the fraud for this situation. I want to give a shout out to Dr. David Martin. I do think he's got the whole package when it goes all the way back to like 1996 in his dossier. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Tom Renz, who's been fighting from day one as well. Um, and Kevin Jenkins, Sayer G. I mean, there's so many great people out there have done some, some great work, so much great work. Uh, but I think what, what it comes down to, Scott, is this. We found that the CDC and the HHS colluded to uh, these are in our allegations in our grand jury petition. Um, we found that they colluded, in our opinion, to commit criminal data fraud and willful misconduct, mm-hmm. specifically with respect to the death certificates and how they changed the death certificates so that COVID would be emphasized always as the cause of death and the pre existing conditions would be de emphasized. And then That gave them the death count they needed, because if you're going to declare a public health emergency, you have to have dead bodies. And so they did it with a sleight of hand, but they did it in violation of three very important federal laws, the Administrative Procedures Act, the Paperwork Reduction Act, and the Information Quality Act. And what's very interesting is they are now attempting to just say, we made some mistakes, it was it was incompetence. We were just incompetent. It was a whoopsie, right? Mm-hmm. No, you can make a mistake in government with communication. You can make a mistake in government with, um, you know, with testing. That's what Rochelle Walensky said a couple of weeks ago. You cannot make a mistake with data, particularly when you circum- attempt to circumvent the law, which protects the accuracy of the data that is produced. So what they did was they just made the changes and when they did that they eliminated public comment which they required to open up and they eliminated public uh, publishing the proposed changes in the federal register we got screenshots on everything to prove it and they eliminate and they tried to go around government oversight by the executive branch there's a little known segment of the executive branch called the Office of Management and Budget that they didn't notify to say hey we're Going to make these changes. So if you think back to when Burks is on stage saying, if somebody dies, we're we're not going to miss a death. We're going to call it COVID. And everybody's like, yay, thank you for what she wasn't telling everyone was that the plan had already been put in motion to make sure that they hyperinflated the death count. And by our estimates, it's anywhere been hyperinflated by anywhere from eighty-eight point six to 94%. Mm. That means that only about six to 12% Twelve percent of this reported COVID deaths are actually COVID deaths.
0: Oh my gosh. And and so fraud, just on its face, fraud. And uh, right. so and then well, they went back and they started to like audit some of these, right? There were some jurisdictions where they uh they they adjusted the total death count after you know reviewing the data, like what are these like COVID death audits or something like that, like partial right. audits? Yeah, like
1: they're that? they're called partial audits. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just to eliminate the obvious things that shouldn't have been counted. Uh, motorcycle accident, car accident, falling off a ladder, but it was counted as COVID, right? (laughs) And it's like, okay, that's not a COVID death. That's, you know, that's blunt force trauma. Um, In Alameda County, uh, they did a soft audit, a partial audit, and it was in 2021, summer 2021, and I believe it was at 22%. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Santa Clara County in California did it a few weeks later, same thing. They lowered their death count for COVID by 25%. I might have those two flip-flopped. It might be the other one's 25 and the other one's 22. Um, but they did a soft audit. And it's interesting that that was the only two counties that we ever heard of in the country that did the audit, because if those two counties are showing up on soft partial audits, 25%, um, overinflation, hyperinflation of death count, then That's got to be happening around the country. So they shut that down really quick. But the CDC also did this as well. The CDC twice um, dropped the death count. Um, The grand total of the drop is a little over 172,000 that the CDC lowered. And what they're saying, what the CDC tried to assert to the public was it was just a coding, what they called a coding logic error. Mm. Okay, well, (laughs) hold on. (laughs) You know, you can't have those errors, number one. But number two... If you dropped it, you just proved our point. You committed fraud. Mm -hmm. That is admission of fraud. That's 172,000 instances of admission of fraud. Now, the question becomes, how many of those deaths were, were situations where a person was maybe hospitalized and was using Medicare, Medicaid for their hospital expenses? Because that's U.S. taxpayer dollars at work right there. Well, let's just be kind and say that it was maybe... I don't know, 80 percent. Right. Let's just say it's 80 percent. It's probably in the 90 to 92 percent by our estimates. But let's say it's at 80 percent. That's still um, that's still 140,000, roughly 130 some odd thousand um, admissions of fraud. And that now isn't just criminal data fraud. It isn't just willful misconduct doing something that's wrong, even though you know it's wrong. It's also Medicare, Medicaid, insurance fraud. Mm. So it takes on a bigger dynamic. And that's why we're calling for a grand jury investigation into this, because by our um, research, and we have a wonderful, um, the coyote is a wonderful researcher. I mean, he will, When he sinks his teeth into something, he gets down to the truth on it. And what he has unearthed is that um, there's basically been about three 0.5 trillion dollars of US taxpayer money misappropriated for COVID and this fraud. Now, people say well that sounds like a mon- lot of money. It is. But it doesn't become a lot of money until you understand it contextually. For a infectious disease with similar recovery rates United States people, we we usually spend through our government allocations, we usually spend about $25.3 billion on something like this annually. They've spent over $3.5 trillion in two years of this for something with a 99.9% recovery rate across the board if people are healthy. And here's the study that got me, Scott. I'm looking up a lot of, you know, we do a lot of work on vitamin D. I'm a a doctor. I'm a naturopathic doctor. We do a lot of work on that. I'm like, you know, vitamin D has been administered trillions of times in the last couple of years, trillions of times. We have zero reports of toxicology, of toxicity. We have zero reports of of injury and zero reports of death. It's it's truly safe and effective, right? There was a study um, done in early 2021, it might've been late 2020. Um, and I should be as good as Peter McCullough on this and pull the actual author's names and stuff, but I don't have sure. it. I can pull it up for you if you want though. Um, but there were about 278,000 participants in it. So it's a huge study, huge sample size. What they found was that 99.9% recovery rate in all patients with 50 nanograms per milliliter of vitamin D. Mm. So like, there's our number, there's our magic number. Of those people who recovered, only 2.7% needed hospitalization. Okay, so what that tells us right off the bat is that if you just put out your public health, right, public health department, if you just issue guidance to every American early on, as uh, Joel Hirschman has has published recently, if you just if you just say, hey, Take five to ten thousand IUs of vitamin D if you're over age 13 every day, six days a week, you'll be fine. Keep it moving. This would have been done. But then we know we, you know, you start looking at, you know, today Fauci got ordered finally to come off of his emails, right? Because he's mm-hmm. always been acting like he's above the law. He oh, after all, he is science, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that dude. So anyway, there's a there's a little synopsis for everybody. It's basically just criminal fraud and yeah. and willful misconduct on a massive scale. That's
0: amazing. So the last time we spoke, you were kind of uh, this was gosh, I can't even remember, I should have went back and looked, but it was it was, you know, early 2021, mm-hmm. your team uh was basically uh gathering data, formulating your arguments for the willful misconduct attack vector, right? right? And that was so encouraging because, you know, for me, post-COVID, you know, this was my awakening to the whole uh mm-hmm. vaccine industry. Period. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like I could talk about government corruption, 9/11, all this stuff, you know, ad nauseum. But actually it was Ed, you know, my former co-host at TrueZilla who woke me up to the whole vaccine agenda. Period. Right. You know, right. the 1986 Act. Um, you know, what, what an adjuvant is. Like, I had no idea about any of that stuff. In fact, I was mm-hmm. the guy that was like, like, even, you know, I could talk about lizard people and like all this stuff all over earth. <laughs> but like, but like I was kind of like. Yeah, but vaccines isn't the science kind of settled on that? Like, I was still not quite the there. Science is settled. No, you know what I mean. Like that. So that that's how far I've come. But Ed Ed really helped coach me and gave me a lot of resources, and you know, people like you really really educated me on that. You know, but then the but the biggest red pill for anybody on this whole thing is the idea of the liability protection that these pharmaceutical companies have when it comes to these vaccines. And now that yes. it's you know been approved, the 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 COVID shot. I'm going to call it a vaccine. The COVID shot has been approved for children. Um, You know, it's built into these cares, the CARES Act, and all these things. Right. The the manufacturers have liability, except in the event of willful misconduct. Can you break that down for us a little bit? Because to me, this is like such a path to victory.
1: Yeah, this is the only logical course that we could find on my teams that I work on was this strategy. Everything else, you know, when you extrapolate it in best possible scenarios, it still results in a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at 42 USC uh, 300 AA-11 and 22, and those are the two clauses within the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act that grant um, immunity and civil from civil litigation to all manufacturers, uh, you hopefully are develop a question <laughs> and that question is if it is truly safe why would these manufacturers need that kind of that protection this is the only product on the pa- on the planet with that protection so you know what we first have to understand is that the ability for a consumer to sue a company when their product injures them or their children is the checks and balances that keeps and holds companies accountable right um In at least in theory, but it's actually actually in practice. There's plenty of instances where a a car seat manufacturer for a baby, um, you know, baby died. Car seat manufacturer found that there was a defect in the car seat. You know, they have to pay out. And then what do they do? They improve the product. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the that's kind of the process. It sucks for the family. It sucks for the baby. um, But that's been the process. And that's been widely accepted by Americans, you know, for our entire existence. So why does this industry get its own immunity that doesn't make any sense especially when you look at the amount of money they're making let alone the amount of money they're making from the american taxpayer we're paying them and we we paid them to develop this supposedly develop this mrna you know technology gene modification platform i will not call them vaccines because they are not vaccines mm. um, and you know we don't hold the patent on it they do we don't get any residual checks. There's no they don't have to even it's not even like a loan where they have to repay the American people for it. They just got a free check. And then the Biden administration has the audacity to come out yesterday saying that we finally defeated pharma. Why? By by giving them everything, by giving them every penny that we have. Is that how you defeat it? By, by not holding them accountable, letting them do whatever they want. That's that's how you do. OK, well, you have a very weird, warped definition of defeating someone if that's the case, right? So when we what we do is when we look at 42 USC 300A-11 and dash 22 and I do encourage everyone to go look it up because when I tell parents about this, it blows their minds. I've actually, with the help of a dear friend of mine, Brittany Cara, we put together the first vaccine education um, certification in the entire country. All right? We went and looked at Harvard and we went and looked at um, UCLA. We went and looked at Stanford's curricula. And we said, are you, you know, are you teaching your, you know, future graduates about vaccine education, how to identify what's in, how to know, number one, what's in the shots, how to use the vaccine adverse events reporting system, and how to, um, and, and how to identify an injury, how to look at surveillance reporting, which surveillance reporting, for those of you who don't know, is this answer to a simple question of the people who got the shot, how many still got sick anyway? All right, that's what they have termed through marketing now, breakthrough. All right. And I've got all the data collected on breakthrough. I was the person that was putting out all the data in the country on on breakthrough, showing that as of um, December of 2021, the shots were failing at an exponential rate. I predicted that and I showed what was going on because I went down to every state health department and we found something, Scott, at every state health department that was really crazy in the monitoring of that question of how many people got the shot, how many still got sick anyway, right? Because that's, that's, that's what crushes the argument of efficacy, okay? Only a handful of states, and I mean like less than half of the states were actually reporting in on this. They didn't want the American people to know that information. So if you don't want the American people to know that information, just don't keep the record. Just mm-hmm. don't ask that question. But fortunately, there were enough states doing it where you could figure some stuff out, and we were able to figure it out. So what ends up happening with, uh, with, with the vaccines and, and all this other jazz that's going on is that they basically set the stage to pr- create a product, put anything in the product that they want to, separate the consumer f- from what's the ingredients in the product, separate the consumer from the reality of post-marketing data, uh, which shows the true amount of energy ind- or a closer indication of the true injuries, promote a phrase, safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective, reward doctors who use these shots and inoculate a certain percentage of their practice so that you get greater um, recompensation from the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. And, and then start taking the profits over the last several decades of that, of that just endless supply of of money that's coming in and use that money to lobby for now state legislatures to start putting in mandatory um, shot bills for kids going to school. Now, when you think about this industry, you have to conceptualize this. This industry does not make money on their um, pharmaceuticals anymore, the statins and the PPIs, because they have to spend so much money in advertising for it. And because those products are open to litigation, you can sue them if you get hurt. So what they did was they shifted their entire focus in their portfolio to vaccines. And when they shifted it to vaccines, that's where they made all their money because for a couple reasons. Number one, they don't have to do any advertising on Mm -hmm. them. It's safe and effective People have been conditioned. Parents have been taught, if you don't do this, your kid's going to die. That's nonsense. It's a lie. But they've been taught that. So parents go in and get their kids, get the shots. And then when their kids get sick, have SIDS and die, develop allergies, autism or whatever, what do they What do they say? <laughs> well, it wasn't the shot. The shot couldn't have done it. No way it could have been the shot, right? And they point back to this one stupid study um, out of Denmark, way back when that was actually authored by a representative of the pharmaceutical industry um, and saying that this study proves that the shots do not lead to autism. Okay, well, when you look at the actual methods in that study, they never assessed for autism. (laughs) So if you never asked the question, is your child showing autistic traits and behaviors, and you can't make the claim that definitively the shots have no correlation to that, but that's exactly what they did in this one random stupid study. So what ultimately you find is that the whole industry is just immoral and, and corrupt. I mean, you're injecting children with MRC five aborted human fetal cells, WI thirty eight aborted human fetal cells. Um, if you're a, if you're a dog lover, you're going to inject your baby with some. Uh, canine kidneys. And and uh, if you like little cows and little calves, you're going to give them a, a fetal bovine serum, uh, which is extracted from a living and still heart pumping fetus. And it's a really ugly industry. And then you go in and you listen to the plotkins of the world and and they tell you, point blank, they've been committing atrocities and they are just soulless creatures. They, they ask, you ask, they've been asked about whether or not they believe in God, they're complete atheists. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got that whole other problem. And you start looking at this, and you go, and I, I say this all the time to parents. I say, first go look up at the law and just ask yourself a question why do they need that protection? Yep. Right. But then look at the ingredients. Just go to what's called, and the CDC publishes this and the FDA publishes this. Just go to the vaccine media and excipient summary. Just go there. Okay. And when you go there, you're going to see all the ingredients on each shot, except COVID, of course, because it's technically Mm -hmm. not fully approved. So we don't have to tell you what's in it. Um, So you're going to see all these ingredients. You're going to see like Dr. Stephanie Seneff does does such a beautiful job of of reporting. You're going to see the amount of aluminum that's in there. You're not going to see a lot of thimerosal or mercury in there anymore. But then they don't tell you, the FDA, that they can add Um, a certain amount of thimerosal post-production and it doesn't need to be added to the label, the list of ingredients, right? And that's right on the FDA site. So then, you know, you look at this and I say, okay, mom, you're, you're on the fence about this, but you're asking some good questions. Let's, let's, let's play this game for a second. If I were to take a spoon and put all of those ingredients on a spoon, thimerosal, aluminum, dog kidney cells, aborted human fetal cells, fetal, fetal uh, bovine serum, right? I'm the I'm the quack. I'm the witch doctor, right? I'm, I'm the MD witch doctor, right? Um, if I put all that on a spoon, would you let your child sip that spoon? And mom's like, no. And so my question then becomes, why in the world would you think that putting it into a syringe and having a needle driven into your baby's body is going to make that product magically safe. There's known carcinogens in there, there's known mutagens in there, there's known things that cause a lot of damage. And that's one. The entire schedule for kids has never been tested for mm-hmm. safety, never been tested for cross-reactivity, never been tested. So why would you do that? Right. So then we we so now we get past all that and I say, okay, let's look at this objectively. There's only one thing that pierces the protections of the 1986 National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, mm-hmm. and for the COVID shots, the PREP Act, which is giving them additional protections. And that is proof of willful misconduct.
0: Bam, there it is.
1: And that's why we've gone after that. And we're going after that relentlessly with the grand jury petition.
0: That's so beautiful. You know, and and it's once you start breaking it down on those levels. And that, that one thing I pulled up there while you were talking, that was not the study that you were saying is a junk study. That was the study from, uh, our friend, Dr. Paul Thomas and, um,
1: Great. Know. And Dr. Paul is amazing, isn't he?
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so this, you guys, what you're looking at here. So this is, if you're listening, it's basically, you can just type in Dr. Paul Thomas Vax on Vax study. Basically he just charted office visits for all of his patients. Cause he's the type of doctor that would accept unvaccinated children. And, mm-hmm. uh, so what you're seeing here is just basically, you know, and all these different diseases that they tracked, you know, everything from like, uh, you know, eczema, eye disorders, ear pain, ADHD, breathing issues, asthma, other infections across the board is pretty much across the board, you know, almost 10, like five to one, 10 to one, you know, vaccinated versus unvaccinated kids. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it. you know, and so obviously this study caused a ruckus in the whole medical community and like, he's still dealing with the repercussions of that, but you know, it's just so crazy once you start peeling it back and realizing how diabolical the industry is. And like some of the things that you discussed there and the fact that you know, they don't, they don't have the rigorous testing standards that, you know, like a, like a heart, like a heart, uh, you know, heart medication wouldn't require like right. a blood pressure medication would require, you know, it's just like, it's just completely non-existent. And what we're seeing now is the further deterioration. Like they want to completely throw away any sort of, uh, you know, testing and have this MRNA platform just be a, plug and play type of deal where they require no testing for any sort of future drugs. And I mean, that's Fauci in his own words said they want to disrupt the whole thing. You know, what is it like uh disrupt the whole process, like iteratively and and from the inside and just like, you know, and, but they needed some sort of crisis like this in order to do it. Like, this is like a little nine 11 to drive in all the agendas that they needed afterwards, but I don't want to get our you know wires crossed here, but anyway, so uh, what, what specifically has your team recognized in terms of willful misconduct that, uh, these, these pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical, comp- pharmaceutical, excuse me. I, I, that was awesome. Pharmaceutical companies are guilty of,
1: well, uh, right before I answer let me just give a quick yes. little backup on that. Um, for that, I think the one that you pulled up that was published by Dr. Paul Thomas and yep. uh, Dr. James Lyons Weiler. Okay. Yes. Uh, both dear friends of mine, brilliant men, absolutely yep. brilliant, brilliant minds, um, with good hearts. <laughs> okay. On top yep. of it. Okay. Um, Dr. Paul Thomas has been under attack incessantly by the licensing board coming after him for this. And they forced the um, journal that it was published in to retract it without reason or substance. So when you go and look for this paper, you'll see that it's been retracted everywhere. It wasn't retracted by Dr. Paul Thomas. He stands by it. It wasn't retracted by Dr. James Linesweiler. He stands by it. It was the journal under pressure from the AMA, the pharmaceutical industry, the licensing boards and all that stuff that pulled it back. That should tell you something right there. If if these are truly safe and effective, then there should be clear transparency. I mean, it should be bragging about it. You don't have to beg anybody to go get an iPhone, right? Everybody wants that. But these, they know that there is dubious science at best supporting them, and they know that you know this is their cash cow and they want to protect it with everything they got, right? They don't want to ever give up 42 USC 300 AA 11 and 22. They don't want to give those up. You give those up, it's open season, and the whole industry collapses. That's how tenuous their hold on supremacy is right now that there everything that the pharmaceutical industry is about is based upon the profit margins gained by vaccines that's yep. all it comes down to so um uh you know make sure you support brave people like dr paul that's thomas right. and dr james lines Wiley. they're not they, they've taken so many arrows they have they if you if they drank a sip of water there's going to be water flying out of them in all directions like the old bugs bunny cartoons okay <laughs> They've taken a lot of heat, okay, and now they need a lot of our support, especially those of you who are waking up now, which is great. I'm like, welcome to the party, pal. Here we go. So he set me up one more time, Scott. What was that question? Let me let's move. Uh, Totally.
0: Definitely. So I was going to add. So I was hoping you could break down what exactly your your team sees as the smoking gun or what 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 these uh, pharmaceutical Uh, companies were criminally uh, willfully uh, negligent. Yeah, well, or where the misconduct is.
1: So willful misconduct is, is very simple as a legal concept, knowing you're doing something wrong and doing it anyway. Yes. The CDC, and led by uh, Robert Redfield at the time, um, knew that if they're going to make any changes to how data is collected, analyzed, published, etc., like a death certificate, that they have to publish that in the federal register. They have to publish that proposed change. You can't just change it like that. Their argument early on to the American people, which doesn't hold legal water, was that it's an emergency. We don't have time to wait. We've Mm got to get this going. The problem with that is the Supreme Court has already been very clear on this. The Constitution and the laws of our country were formed during a time of emergency. So emergencies do not suspend the Constitution our civil liberties, yada, yada, yada. Right. So that's a crock that they, they put out there in April 20. Um, and thanks to the help of the legacy mainstream media, which they, of course, clearly control. If you wanna know who controls something, just look at the ads, all right? Just mm-hmm. look at the ads, all right? The pharmaceutical, excuse me, I'm gonna correct myself here. The pharmaceutical industry runs more ads than any other industry in the world, and it's a wipeout. It's not even close, right? So- And also, in- you
0: know, uh, lobbyists in Washington, too, is the biggest <sighs> lobbyist group, so-, so-
1: Ooh, Yeah, right? right.
0: The media and then also the political politicians, you know, and then if you look at all the you know, donations to their campaigns, each one of these on both sides received on both strong. sides like yep, don't even get don't even get me started. But anyway, yes. So yeah, they're, I know. they're, they're I know. all over the place. So, yeah, sorry.
1: Right. So uh, with that being said, everybody, um, you know, we we saw early on that they did they they did some stuff that looked like that doesn't look right. But we didn't know the law on that at the time. What well, that doesn't look right, you know? And then they did something else. Um, so that all happens on March 24th, 2020. Two days later, the Health and Human Services Department erects the structure for Medicare, Medicaid, insurance fraud. Um, and what they do with that specifically is they create greater reimbursement for anyone that is diagnosed as COVID, right, for hospitalizations. So now this person, A, gets the flu and is hospitalized. They get a, The hospital is going to make a certain amount of money back on it. This person, B, is diagnosed as COVID somewhere on in their whole cacophony of, of diagnoses. That hospital is now going to get substantially more money back through Medicaid, Medicare insurance. So it's a, uh, it's a pay-to-play scam where you know if you just go along with what we're telling you to do, don't ask any questions. You're going to be rewarded handsomely for it. So you have to remember what happened early on. What happened early on was lockdowns. It's funny how when we came out of those lockdowns, there were 5G towers all over the place, right? Where's the environmental impact studies? We go into lockdowns, and what did they tell the hospitals? No discretionary procedures. Well, that's where hospitals make a lot of money, discretionary procedures, right? Mm -hmm. So now a hospital is now saying, well, we're hanging on by a thread, and look at the government coming in and looking like they're saving the day. And we're going to make you feel like heroes because you're doing a good thing and doing a good service for your country. We're going to give you more money for this. Well, again, what do you need if there's a public health emergency declared? You need dead bodies, and then after those dead bodies go away, because they're going to you're going to wipe out a lot of weak people early on. Sad to say, you need numbers, continued consistent numbers. So early on, we were doing some data modeling in uh, based upon Italy, South Korea, China. Um, and the United States, I wanted to be able to predict how the first question was, how long is this going to last? Are we talking about a 30 day, 40 day thing? Israel data was pretty clear that it was going to be about 40 days. That was going to be the rise of new cases, new um, hospitalizations, new deaths per day it was going to rise for about 20 days and then slowly decline. But by about 40 days, it should be pretty done. Right. Mm-hmm. So we started plotting that for Italy. We plotted that for um uh south korea these are all countries that were a couple weeks ahead of us right and it was pretty clear 40 days 40 days rise fall rise fall rise fall it was like okay this is clear as day then something interesting happened we have this actually on the beyondthecon.com website there's a graphic you can go to um, that shows that in the united states there was a rise yeah so if you scroll down a little bit uh right there scott scroll down a little more now right there go to where it says background that background tab, boom. Now, you see, if you if you enlarge that, that's the Italian data right there. So it's a rough bell curve. We're plotting it on a day. It's not a smooth curve. But what you see in the blue line are new cases per day in Italy. Um, in the orange line, you see new hospitalizations per day. In the gray line, you see new deaths per day. So those basically form a bell-shaped curve for all three. The The deaths were a little bit more amorphous but nothing substantial. But first, what I want you to notice, Scott, is you see the distance between the blue line of new cases and the orange line, new hospitalizations?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Not very far. So what that starts telling you is that a lot of people who were being diagnosed in Italy also needed to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what's fortunate is we don't see a lot of crazy like um, – you know, most of the people who got sick needed hospitalization. That's an economic nightmare, right? So yeah. I saw this data and I was like, "Yeah, this looks like pretty much other infectious disease plots. It's not really crazy, you know." Um, and then you get additional data out of Italy, the Italian Ministry of Health showing that most of the um, most of the severe hospitalizations and deaths were in over sixty-five, with multiple pre-existing conditions and severe nutrient deficiency, right? So it's just like, okay, we I think we got this. Now, if you close that, and you can just click anywhere off it, yeah, and go down to the next image right here. This is the United States. Mm. And so the United States Mm. looks dramatically different than any other country we plotted. The United States, what you see is a huge distance between number of cases and number of hospitalizations, which tells us that most people didn't need hospitalization. So there's no justification for lockdowns on that alone. None. Okay. Not only that it's never been done in human history, but there's no justification for it just based upon the data. But what you see here is if you look at about, um, if you look, Scott, and you can put your cursor over it, about April 12th, and go up to the blue line right in there, you yeah. see how it's starting to descend right there? It dis- it's descending just like every other country, like it's supposed to do. And then when you get to about April 14th, something happens. Mm-hmm. It halts and you get a secondary rise. Now, as a data analyst, when I see that secondary rise, it makes me go, oh, shit. Either things are getting really bad in this country and this is the only country where this is happening. It's possible. Or somebody's cooking the books. Sure. And so the first thing you have to do is be objective and go, okay, it's possible that this is that we're having an anomaly as a country here, and it could be tied into our poor um, nutrition and our poor state of health as as citizens and things like that, right? But then we looked a little bit deeper and we saw that the CDC um, had made a a unilateral change to what constituted a COVID case. So they did that on April 14th. So we dug in a little bit deeper, and it took us to, um, the CDC had ratified and adopted a set of definitions for what constitutes a COVID case from a little-known, very well-funded nonprofit organization called the Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists. Okay, This is crazy, right? So what you're basically, what I'm saying to you is that the CDC, heavily financed by the American people and filled with PhDs, outsourced the definition for what constitutes a COVID case to a nonprofit. That would be like the CDC contacting me and saying, Dr. H, why don't you develop the, uh, the, why don't you let the Energetic Health Institute develop the guidelines for what constitutes a case for the entire country? That would have been nice if they did do that. Like if you would have been been in
0: charge of this the whole time, like- (laughs)
1: But this not- is over real quick, bro. Let me tell you. <laughs> OK, yeah. but you get what I'm saying. It's preposterous, yes. right? It's yeah. preposterous. Now, it gets even worse. When you read that Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists document, their position statement, it publishes on April 5th. CDC adopts it on April 14th. OK,
0: mm-hmm.
1: for the CDC to adopt that, they had to open a mandatory public comment period. They didn't do that. So mm-hmm. This is the second time now that they don't open up public comment. The CDC would have had to give at least 30 days for public comment. Likely it would have been really about 60 days before they could have enacted it. That'd take too long. So they just went ahead and did it, right? Mm-hmm. When you read the document, there's a couple of things that really stand out. Are you ready for this, Scott? This is yeah. stuff that always blows me away to this day. Totally. Number one the minimum definition for what constitutes a COVID case is a single cough. Mm. All a person has to do is cough one time, and that person could be diagnosed presumptively with COVID, which then has the ramification of, hey, hospital, you put COVID on the billing form. Now you're going to be reimbursed at a greater rate. Let's do this, right? So guess what? Everybody's being clowned as COVID, okay? Remember, this is really before PCR starts taking off and taking over this process, right? Which PCR should never be used. for diagnostics and it can't be used for diagnostics, but that's another story. So then the next thing in this document that blows me away, they have a specific subsection in there called um, uh, 7B. All right. Section 7B. And what it says, this is how well I know this stuff, right? (laughs) You can tell I have no life, but this, right? So, so section 7B, it asks a question. Basically, I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase here. How do we make sure the same person who got COVID once doesn't get counted multiple times? Because you remember, this was in a time period when we were, was testing, getting started. So what were people doing who got a negative test but wanted to go back to work? I mean, excuse me, a positive test but wanted to go back to work. They started hunting for a negative test. So you'd have people go and take a test seven, eight, nine times. Mm-hmm. and if it's positive seven or eight, nine times, that's a possibility for that to be a miscount of seven or eight new cases when it was really just that one person. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So how do we make sure the same person doesn't get counted multiple times? This was their answer. This is the council of state and territorial epidemiologists answer um, that the CDC adopted. Not applicable until more virologic data is available. What? I'm a data analyst. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You mean to tell me you couldn't get somebody's license, government issued ID, birthday and make sure that that person doesn't get counted more than once over the course of a month, over a course of at least a 28 day period. It really should be about at least a 120 day period, but you can't do that. Mm. You don't need more data to do that. That's just that's just terrible design. It's intentional. What's mm. the result of that? Hyperinflation of case counts now, okay? And then you look a little bit deeper at this and this is where this is where the rubber meets the road for the audience. They have a list of subject matter experts that the supposedly autonomous Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists used um, to uh, help them develop these guidelines because they're not smart enough to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to talk some ish about them because they're, they are yeah. they deserve it. All right. They're Ooh. heavily funded by Gates and those people, Gavi and World Economic Forum and all that crap. Right. Yep. So... Um, <laughs> Guess who supplied the subject matter experts for this? The CDC. Okay. so the CDC says this is what we need this document to say. You guys type it up and take credit for the position paper and then we'll adopt it without going and violate three federal laws to get it adopted. And that way we have all the case counts we need to keep this gravy train of of taxpayer theft of our of our money going. Right. And guess who signs that document? Robert Redfield, director Mm -hmm. of the CDC. Okay. Now I run a nonprofit organization. I'm the head of that organization. There's no way in hell somebody not affiliated with my organization is signing any official document coming out of my organization. Right. Mm -hmm. So that shows collusion right there. And when you start lining up the timeline, this is, March 24th, 2020, death certificate change in violation of law. March 26th, direction of Medicare, Medicaid insurance fraud, where hospitals now are getting more money for this diagnosis. April 5th and then April 14th, Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists document. And all of these resulted in a hyperinflation of death count, hyperinflation of hospitalizations, hyperinflation of case counts. And why do you do that? Because now you can sell numbers easy to a public that doesn't do a lot of homework. You can jump on every major media station. And what did they always tell us? How many people died that day? How many people new new cases got sick? How many people were hospitalized to a certain degree? That's what they always told us. You know what they never told us, Scott, that really got under my craw? Was that? They never told us how many people recovered. They never gave Americans any hope, only fear, fear fear.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's just been one big, just disgusting outpouring of fear, fear, fear to keep us trapped. It's like, okay, I don't want to get too sidetracked here. We got just a little bit of time left here. And, and, and so I really want to focus on like just some calls to action here specifically with, um, um, beyond the con. Um, cause I know that, so you guys have been, uh, filing grand jury petitions, um, you are, you got a response from them or I know they were kind of playing, uh, they were trying to kick the hand <laughs> down the road a little bit on you. Can you tell us like where you're at in the process of this? And then when, before we, before we close, I do want to ask your opinion on how, cause I had some folks reach out to me and say, Hey, make sure you ask Dr. H about this, but uh, mm-hmm. any advice you have for people or family members to like help detox or just mitigate the effects of the spike protein? Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. 1000%. Of course. But, of course. but, but let's, let's hit this real quick. Where are you
0: at with the grand jury petition? And uh, how can the folks help with the process?
1: Okay, so we me with r- with a great team behind me, and with the help of Senator Dennis Lintcum and Senator Kim Thatcher, amazing people. Please read up on them um, from Oregon, um, right?
0: But senators
1: out of Oregon, out of all is, the places, which is crazy.
0: But yeah, shout out. To-
1: <laughs> shout out to uh, Senator Lintcum and Senator Thatcher. Um, we we filed on March seventh in the Ninth Circuit Court. Uh, grand jury petition and really the first of its kind as that we've been able to figure out in in United States history. Um, we are not asking a judge to do anything for us. We are invoking our right to petition with the courts and making sure that the information that we have gets before a grand jury because we submitted a 63 page petition with over a thousand pages of exhibits to substantiate what we are what we are claiming here the allegations of criminal. Data fraud and willful misconduct that resulted in the misappropriation of 3.5 trillion dollars of U.S. taxpayer money. Right, so these are these are this isn't a small allegation that we're making here. Um, we it, you, the defendants get it naturally. We we served Rochelle Walensky, Xavier Becerra, Robert Redfield, Alex Azar, and Brian Moore from the NVSS. We we focused on those. Uh, we didn't have at the time Deborah Birx admitting guilt. So you know the the nice thing is the grand jury can expand the scope, and we've had people go, why didn't you why didn't you get Fauci? I'm like, well, we're working on that. You know, just give me a second. We got we've been doing a lot of work. Yeah. Um, But Fauci's gonna hang himself. So you know we'll, we'll see that happen, in, I think in the next couple of weeks. But um, and and Tom Rinz is on his butt too. So you know, right. and I'm, I'm I'm helping them out too. Awesome. So um, what we're after is is they finally they ask for an extension of time. Right. I'm just gonna give everybody a quick little. Thing. they asked for 60 more days after they got 60 days judge granted it judge usually grants those things right mm-hmm. but they said we need until august 26 to file our response to to the plaintiffs okay well august 26 rolls around and they don't submit anything they missed their own deadline so we filed immediately a motion for default judgment in our favor as we should we don't expect that, you know, we weren't anticipating. I want to fight. I don't, you know, I don't want to win by default, but I'll take any win we can get right now. Yeah. So <laughs> you can't make this up. In between them missing their deadline, the U.S. attorney we had been talking to last year in 2021 saying, hey, you need to investigate this. You need to make sure this is investigated. He actually gets assigned to defend the people we're accusing of these crimes. Mm, wow. Okay? That's kind of crazy, right?
0: Conflict of interest there at all.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the Department of Justice figured that out because on July 13th, they immediately reassigned him.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, guess where they reassigned him to, Scott? I don't even know. They reassigned him to Nairobi, Kenya. Oh, wow. (laughs) Effective July 17th. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Right. And then they so they missed their deadline. There's a new U.S. attorney that's that's put on the case. She misses the deadline and we file Um, their excuse for missing the deadline in the world of you can't make this up was my dog was sick. Oh, geez. Okay, All right. That's actually in a court document. Uh, The reason I missed the deadline, your honor, was. Not because I was being disrespectful, but because my dog was sick today.
0: Probably so, you just took the dog in for its uh, COVID vaccine.
1: And the like, There now. you go, right? So, <laughs> Something yeah, it might have a blood clot yeah, rolling exactly. around there. So um, where we're at right now is we have until um, the September 12th, Monday, we're going to file our response. And what we've been asking the public to do is support this. We've already got this in motion. This A lot of people fill out like, you know, move, move.org or, and change.org and all that stuff. Those aren't petitions. Those are public comments. Yeah. Okay. You're giving a public comment. Those get put in the garbage if they're ever even read. Okay. This is actually a petition filed in court. Whether people join on to sign this or not, we're moving forward on this. What we're asking people to do in five days and six hours is to click on that link, go to our partner, Stand for Health Freedom. We'll take you right to Stand for Health Freedom. Take 10 seconds to say, I support this, because what we're going to do on Monday the 12th is we're going to see how many people have supported this, and we're going to put that in our response to the defendant's counsel. And we're going to tell the judge, point blank, this is a matter of significant interest in Uh, America, which was one of the standards that helped him make the ruling in our favor. So, right now, we're, we're, if we're not at 150,000, we're damn close and we're closing in. We sure would like to get over 500,000 to a million people, a million Americans, you know, on this. Uh, So, you can read the petition on here. You can read and and learn about the grand jury on here. You can read our synopsis, our background, our, our timeline, who we are. You can scroll down and read the whole um, the, you know, download the whole petition. petition. You, you know, we don't want you to sign it just because we said, so read it, yeah read what's going on, get yourself informed, right? We've got all of our peer reviewed papers. Those are all downloadable for free. We've had people come to us, Scott, and these, and I get it. We've all been burned. People are like, yeah. Oh, is this a scam? You just want my email address? No, we're not going to spam you. Okay. We, we are here to fight and win. We want you to join us. We want you to join the fight. So everybody that's doing that, we love you. Thank you so much. Everybody who declines, we love you still. It's all right. I get it. You know, I'm totally cool with that. But um, you just go to beyondthecon.com and do your thing.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I just encourage everybody, you know, if you're just listening, we're kind of scrolling through the website there. You know, there's just a whole bunch of resources there. And it's just really valuable information. You can see that, you know, Dr. H is not messing around here. You know what I mean? So yeah, call to action everybody, please go to beyondthecon.com and at least sign the petition and you know take a moment to review all the information that's there because it's valuable valuable information and uh you know share it with folks too, you know, all those all these people that are waking up right now like this is a nice little consolidated chunk of good information that can maybe help them uh you know in their awakening process. So um speaking of uh loved ones that may just be waking up to what's going on here, Dr. H, you know, I hear all kinds of stuff, you know, there's like you know people out there that are just spewing fear you know everybody's going to die blah 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 but you know we talked to Dr. Judy Mikeovitz early on and like the, her message was you know we asked her that like right when the shots were first being administered we're like is, there, is everybody going to die what's going on and she's like no 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 we're the we're just these amazing magical beings with extremely powerful resiliency and mm-hmm. uh you know the ability to heal and you know and then once we accept where we're at and take steps forward to healing You know the body is capable of miraculous things. I know that's your message too. But for people out there that, you know, maybe were forced into taking the shot or have loved ones who are, uh, you know, having deleterious effects or whatnot, like what would be your uh, your word of advice for any folks like that?
1: No, first of all, we are blessed to have Judy on our side. I was just talking with her today, and uh, she's she's such an angel. She's one of my favorite people in all in the entire movement, and she's just so pure-hearted and such a good soul and. Um, she's right, you know, we were up one night, uh, me and her doing like a college thing where we were on the phone just reading research. One of my best memories I've had this year of, of any work I've done. We were, all, we were up until like three, four in the morning, me and her just going through peer reviewed literature on DNA repair and trying to learn more about it. And, you know, especially her prodigious background in, in genetics and everything and um, in molecular biology. And, uh, you know, and, and we we found some things. We're we're definitely at the edge of the known universe, but it is conclusive in the peer review literature that the DNA will repair and start repairing itself from the moment of injury if there are two very important prerequisites present. One is nutrient availability, um, particularly methylation. uh, uh, Methyl groups, um, dimethyl and trimethylglycine play an instrumental role in this. Um, It's a little bit beyond what we're going to be able to talk about today. But um, uh, the second thing is fasting autophagocytosis, that we have to let ourselves be hungry every day. And, and why do I say hunger? Because when you're hungry, your cells are in a state of autophagocytosis. They're, they're, are, they are healing. Now, now that there are different levels of autophagocytosis, but if you let yourself be hungry every day, your body's going to repair itself uh, for the most part, especially in the presence of nutrient availability. What's very interesting and what we stumbled upon when we were playing around research one night was... Um, just that it explained why they want to do the boosters beyond just money. The boosters are there to create a re-injury to the genome. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we know this from the Lund University study that was published earlier this year in February, um, showing that within six hours, the mRNA sequence reverse transcribes and then can upload into the DNA. So it's definitely a gene modification um, shot. Well, What's so cool is the body starts healing those injuries, even at the DNA level, um, almost instantly. And what ends up happening is that it's just a very slow process, incredibly painfully slow, especially if we're dealing with a neurologic systemic issue for people. And those are the people that are the hardest, in my opinion, to recover, but it's still possible, Okay. Um, And I think that's the big message is if you're doing two things right now, you're learning how to eat and how not to eat. (laughs) Okay. Um, And when you're learning to eat, that's where we come in, the Energetic Health Institute, which is really my bread and butter, um, is is I teach people how to um, bring organic plant-based nutrition into their life, how to promote energy production at the cellular level, and how to let their body do what it does best. And that is heal. So, uh, actually, this is our flagship program, our holistic nutrition certification, right here. If you scroll down a little bit, uh, you, you can get a free you can get a free chapter out of my book right there, um, the art of eating healthy. It's a wonderful start into this process. Scroll down just a little bit more. There, we we'll go. We'll go down below this. We got to update this page, but right there, right there. Scroll up a little bit. Right there. If you want to do the holistic nutrition, you go down and fill out the scholarship application. But if you want to start getting into cleansing and fasting, Scott. We have a class actually starting this Friday on the 9th. Oh, nice. Right on. Enrollment's open all the way to the 16th, but we actually take people. We hold your hand. We have master classes every week. We take you through how to do a 28-day cleanse on your body using bentonite clay, psyllium, and high nutrients and herbs, and then we take you on how to do a fast and so that you can learn how to really get into the higher levels of autophagocytosis, and that program has helped patients of mine who um, have a myriad of of ailments, but especially it's been helping people with long COVID and it's been helping people with mild um, adverse injuries, uh, injuries created by the shots. Okay. Um, It's the moderate and the severe injuries that we're still working on and I know Pierre Corey's team is doing some really good work on it. I know Christina Parks is doing some really good work on it. I know Ted Fogarty is doing some really good work on it. Judy's doing some great work on it. I'm doing, I think, some pretty good work on it as well. Uh, we're working on this issue, but I think the easiest way to make sure that you don't have to deal with this issue and the problems associated with it, um, and if you if you do want to support folks, please go to uh, please go to react19.com. And donate to react19.com if you want to donate some money uh, to make sure you're helping people who are injured. You can also donate it to the Energetic Health Institute, and we will make sure it gets to the people who need it. That's what we've been doing this whole time as well. Um, many people don't know this, but I don't make any money on this. Um, I haven't taken a penny on on COVID, and I won't. Um, I just want to make sure we're doing everything we can to help the people who are in need uh, right now. So every, every dollar helps. And... Um, you know these these people need to know that even though they were conned into doing something horrible and entering into a horrible experiment, um, that they're still loved. You yeah, know, they've really felt ostracized in some ways from society, and I, I'm just like, that's ridiculous. You were lied to by evil people. I'm not going to kick you away and send you away for that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, there's a lot. That I would encourage people to get plugged in with what we're doing at the Energetic Health Institute. Definitely check out beyondthecon.com. And let me throw something else out. Please. Definitely support Rebunked.news and what Scott's doing. I mean, folks, we got to support each other. We are the cavalry. <laughs> okay. You want to know who's going to fix this and solve this and make things right? Go look in the mirror. Yeah. That's the person that's going to do it. Right? Like, like I said, when I started, I'm nobody special. I got great people with me, great people helping me out all along the way. And um, it's really you getting into that courage that you already possess, that power that you have, because there's something I have learned in the last two and a half years. And I want to give a big shout out to Pastor Dave and the Church of Glad Tidings on this. There's other great people down there. Um, it's not about religion, y'all. It's about accepting that there's something divine and great that lives within you. And we typically call that God. But I can tell you when I go looking in a cell and how the DNA works and how the DNA repairs itself and how the DNA can even undo these evil genetic modifications, it lets me know that God's got this. And it also lets me know that God lives within me. God lives within you. God lives within every cell. Of our bodies, and doesn't that feel good in these times to know that there's something even greater than us that still loves us, and and really has our back? All we gotta do is a little bit of work. All we gotta do is a little bit of work. But you know, I've been telling folks if you do feel alone out there right now, it's understandable, okay? But as long as you have God in your heart, you're never alone. All right, and that's what these evil bastards want you to give up is God in your heart. So never give them what they want. Make sure you say thank you every morning when you wake up for just opening your eyes, no matter how good or bad your situation is because everyday of life is a gift and it's something to be embraced, celebrated and the freedom with which to live it protected at all times. So Scott, thank you so much for having me on brother. I really appreciate you, man. Thank yeah, you.
0: Absolutely, Dr. H, man. It's always an honor and a pleasure to have you here. That's some great, great, great information. Everybody, please go follow and support everything Dr. H is doing. Um, Energetic Health Institute, you guys, like that's um, a lot of great information there. Um, I- <laughs> The vaccine education one. If you want more uh, information mm-hmm. about how to speak intelligently about uh, you know vaccines and just help other family members, and then of course, um, tell us just real quick about the Energetic Health Radio Show where they can find that.
1: Sure. So uh, we're we've, um, we're with uh, America Out Loud. You can go to oh. AmericaOutLoud.com, and uh, that's run by a great brother, great friend of mine, uh, Malcolm. Uh, I'm Malcolm Out Loud, who just does a great thing. We're actually starting, we're actually recording an eight-part series for step-by-step ways into health and freedom uh, starting tomorrow. That's, I think, going to start airing on the weekends. But uh, my show, um, Energetic Health Radio, airs on uh, two times on Saturday, two times on Sunday, right after Dr. Peter McCullough. The, and I always say this, and I mean this, the great Dr. Peter McCullough, um, his show. I'm just really honored to be right after his show and then it goes to podcast on Monday. So if you go to my uh, if you go to my uh, personal page on the America Out Loud platform, you'll find the radio show, Energetic Health Radio. But you'll also find all the articles I've written uh, for America Out Loud as well. That's uh, one of my primary places where I publish. I also just started on Telegram, uh, so uh, I've been getting blessed with that. And I would encourage people to check out Kanoka the Great and um, uh, definitely the Vigilant Fox. If there's any channel. That you want to make sure you have on Telegram, get the Vigilant Fox. He crushes it. I love that dude. Um, uh, you know, and then of course you got the usual sp- suspect, Dr. Simon uh, Gothic is fantastic. Um, you know, and then you can go to everybody's individual. It's hard to sometimes verify if it's actually somebody here or if it's a fake one. But I can tell you, the Vigilant Fox. whoo, You start there. You will help get your family members educated on this.
0: Man, okay. that's awesome that's awesome well shoot dr h we'll keep up the amazing work and hopefully we'll check in soon here um yeah you guys if you like this show make sure you share it and then go to rebunk.news for all the ways to follow and support the show so dr h thank you so much and we'll talk to you soon thank you brother